0: Previously on Barefoot Boys, we watched Nath Bose employ some extraordinary training methods, kicking literally Mohan Bagan into shape. And we also heard about the horrors of the Bengal partition and the Indian resistance to it. a clip from the India-Bangladesh match at the 2019 Cricket World Cup. What you're hearing is an entire stadium full of people, Indians, Bangladeshis, singing Ama Shunar Bangla. More than a hundred years after Rabindranath Tagore wrote the song that was belted out in streets and stadiums all over Bengal during the time of its partition, it was happening again. Different century, different political reality, different sport even. But same feels. From Luminary, this is Barefoot Boys. A podcast about an Indian football team that went toe-to-toe with the British and against all odds emerged as a national symbol. A symbol that told a country fighting for independence, we can win. I'm Konkona Sen Sharma. In 1905, Mohan Bagan had become a familiar name even in British circuits. And as everything came to be viewed through the lens of nationalism, so did Bagan. Bagan became the made-in-India team. It's no wonder that the best footballers in the country wanted to be a part of what Selene Bose had set up in Calcutta. His training methods had become folklore. Remember what Shantanu Basu told us? There used to be a huge playing ground. On one side, it ended in an upward slope. So, Shoilen Basu greeted all the players on that field and asked them to run up the slope. But there was a catch. First, there were hose pipes that shot water down the slope, making the mud slushy and making the upward journey much more difficult. And then, Shailen Bose gathered some old friends of his from his army days. He gave them the same kind of boots that the British wore while playing and told them to wear those boots and kick the hell out of the Mohan Bagan players as they tried to climb up the slope. <laughs> as extreme and backbreaking as it was, several clubs tried to replicate Bagan's methods and some of them succeeded, but they simply couldn't match Celine Bruce's recruitment. Gone were the days where Mohan Bagan welcomed only employed or college-going gentlemen. Selin Bose brought in a bunch of hard-working athletes, willing to give it their all, willing to embody the spirit of the club. And in Shibda's Bhaduri, he found the perfect role model. Nimble-footed, strong, a straightforward centre-forward, and extremely good-looking. Shibda's Bhaduri was arguably the first Indian football superstar. He was the youngest of the five Bhaduri brothers, hailing from Faridpur district of present-day Bangladesh. Here's journalist and historian Somnath Sengupta.
1: The Bhaduri family had a unique connection with Bagan. In 1890s and 1900s, five out of six Bhaduri brothers played for Mohundagan. Three of them became club captains and two were members of the AFI shield-winning team. Horidash Bhaduri was the first one to join the club. Thanks to his influence, Dijodash, Ramdash, Bijodash and Shivdash Bhaduri also joined later. Both Bijodash Bhaduri and Srivdash Bhaduri had trained under Dukhiran Mazumdar, but according to Rupak Shah, who is a veteran sports journalist, they didn't enjoy Mazumdar's insistence of playing in boots and the strict fitness regime.
0: With their exceptional dribbling, the uncanny level of understanding they shared, and their seemingly telepathic ability to switch positions to throw off opposing defenders, the Bhaduri brothers slowly emerged as the centre of attention. It was like they were dancing, elegant, having fun on the pitch while being equally effective. And unsurprisingly, Mohun Bagan gradually ascended the ranks. Their dominance began in 1904 when they won their first trophy, the Kuch Bihar Cup. And in 1905, they played their way through to the finals of the Gladstone Cup. Their British opponents in this match were the mighty Dalhousie Club. The winners of that year's IFA Shield. A technically brilliant, aggressive team with some of the best athletes in the country. Now, it so happened that both teams, Bagan and Dalhousie, were on the same train from Calcutta to Chinsura where the final was being played. To Bagan's great relief, they noticed that the Dalhousie squad was only seven strong. They were missing four of their star performers. According to many recorded versions of the train journey, a curious Mohun Bagan fan approached a member of the travelling English team to ask why they had just seven players in the group. The player reportedly said,
1: Seven is good enough for Mohan Bagan.
0: Maybe it was a mind game. Or maybe it was because he didn't actually think an Indian team could be good enough to beat them. It is unlikely that he, or anyone else for that matter, would have kept track of the steady growth of the club under Selene Bose. Bagan's hopes skyrocketed. Dalhousie would have to replace the four missing members with players from their B-team, making them an easy target. Jubilant, they began strategizing how to press this unexpected advantage and spent the journey devising ways to test and smash through Dalhousie's weak links in the final. The train pulled up at Chinsura, the district headquarters of Hooghly. The sleepy town could barely pass for a developed village, but that week, In 1905, it became the meeting point of football and nationalism. People from all over Bengal had travelled to witness the mighty Dalhousie battle the barefooted men. Some were drunk with the idea of nationalism. Some driven by their pure love for football. I guess the truth is most people wanted both. A victory against the British neatly packaged into a football tournament. A match just not worth missing. At one corner of the field, the men in maroon and green were warming up for the match when a sudden hush from the crowd turned their heads to where the Dalhousie squad were making their entrance. Bagan's faces fell. The four presumed to be missing Dalhousie stars had made it after all. They must have taken a different train to Chinsura. How will we stop them? Are we good enough? We need to rethink our entire game plan. There's not enough time. All their training, their positive attitude, their winning spirit seemed to wither away. And in its place, a blanket of doubt. White was superior to Brown. White was bigger, superior and meant to dominate. It was as though Bhagan had lost the match even before the whistle. But one man stood tall. Das Bhaduri moved to the front, looked calmly at the worried faces of his team. Pointed his fingers at the white footballers warming up and said, We will attack them from the very beginning before they can settle down. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Albert's, now in fresh colors. These must have travel shoes have a lighter than air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Attack right from the beginning? This was not normal, not part of the plan. Their strategy was usually to contain and counter. Football matches, as the purists always say, aren't always one on strategies and planning. Sometimes what it takes is simply trust, courage, perseverance. As the teams walked into the field, Shiptas Bhaduri leading the men in maroon and green shone with inner fire. The team, the crowd, and eventually the opponents would see what this young man had intuitively grasped. This was Mohanbagan 2.0. A team moulded in the principles of Selene Bose. No boots, no problem. Surprises, no problem. Dom? Stamina, try matching us. Haar,
1: amra harbo na.
0: Defeat? We refuse. The whistle blew and she thus took control. He took control of the ball and took control of the match. He was unrelenting. Nobody had seen anything quite like it. He scored the first goal in the first few minutes and three minutes after that scored the second one off a pass from Dunga Datta. And then there was no looking back. He led the charge with attack after attack, darting past the booted Britishers, weaving through their defence like a dancer, always leading with his superb ball control. The British team were caught completely by surprise. They had no idea what was going on. And the Mariners? Oh, they rose to the occasion in spectacular fashion. They played like men possessed. And perhaps they were? They were the living embodiment of Subedar Major Bose's words. Brown, barefooted footballers weren't inferior. In fact, they weren't even equal. They might just be… better. And that day, they certainly were. Before the final whistle was blown, Dalhousie had conceded four more goals. It was not just a win. It was a thumping win. Six goals to one. The Gladstone Cup was Mohan Bagan's third title, but it was the first one against a fearsome British team. Even the British were forced to acknowledge the formidable force in Indian football that Mohan Bagan had become. Ignoring their skill, rejecting them from tournaments was no longer an option. It would have looked like the white men were scared. And to give due credit, there were many Britishers who felt that Bagan's skill should be appreciated, regardless of what it symbolized. To them, merit was merit, and they were ready to stand in the face of long-standing traditions and acknowledge it, even in an Indian team. So Bagan was included in the newly formed only British Minto Fate Tournament and won. They continued to be permitted to play for the Trades Cup. They won three years in a row, the first Indian team to accomplish this three-peat.
1: Uh, I could remember later probably Habul Sharkar recalled an exemplary incident uh, of, of this time.
0: This is Dr. Koshik Bontapadha again narrating an incident from the Trades Cup as told by Habul Sharkar, a mariner.
1: Uh, the incident, it was an incident in the preliminary uh, round of the Trades Cup, probably uh, in 1907 or 8, uh, when Mohan Bagan was playing against Dalhousie B. Uh, and he, Habul Sharkar, was writing when uh, their opponents were losing by three to two goals, uh, they lost temper. The Dalhousie B players lost temper. They began to play very rough and even used fists and kicks uh, upon the Mohan Bagan players indiscriminately. Now this enraged the spectators, as you can understand, who rushed into the field and began to kind of assault the offending players and even the members of that club, Dalhousie B. And the game had to be abandoned. Now the spectators, Bengal Indian spectators, were so rowdy that the police had to intervene. And as a result of this, Dalhousie B. was scratched. Clearly,
0: passive acceptance was a thing of the past. Aggression was often met with aggression, and soon Bagan. Perhaps unwittingly, imbibe the Swadeshi sentiments.
1: Now, you can understand that in, in the context of this was happening in the context of the peak of the Swadeshi movement, uh, the revolutionary movement also began, and uh, in that kind of a situation, uh, spectator violence, spectator uh, hooliganism also became more prominent when the European team. Teams or European spectators could not take uh, the sight of uh, Indian teams defeating uh, the European teams because uh, they were used to uh, kind of provide racial discrimination, deliver racial discrimination uh, to the Indians for the last, say, 150 years. So, this reverse seat, which I call in Bengali Paltamar, uh, was something which Habul Sharkar, which Shibdas Madhuri. Uh, which Rajan they all represented because it was on the field of football that the Bengalis the, alias the Indians provided this reverse seat against the British and the Indian spectators gradually took up the mantle uh, followed, the Euro, followed their European counterparts in uh, finding a new outlet for aggression in the football field. They used to kind of return the compliment on the football field even outside the field by sometimes Uh, making quarrels with the Europeans, European spectators, and beating them heavily. So uh, this was uh, a kind of very interesting situation when spectator culture in India became nationalist in character and a nationalist colonial binary, imperial binary uh, began to develop.
0: That is actually an excellent analogy for the entire political climate in Bengal. A nationalist, imperialist binary. As things turned out, it didn't last long.
1: Breaking news! Bomb blast in Muzaffarpur! Two dead! Suspects still wanted! Bengal was
0: not going to be the same. Next time on Barefoot Boys, a chance to view Mohan Bagan's golden run after the partition from under a different lens, as things in Bengal turn increasingly violent. Barefoot Boys is a luminary original podcast produced by Rainshine Entertainment, and you've been listening to me, Konkona Sen Sharma. Gaurav Vaz is our executive producer, Vivek Madan is our director and script supervisor. Our writing team was led by Vivek Madan, Vikram Shah, and Archana Nathan, who wrote these episodes along with Shankhudeep Sengupta, Nevin Thomas, Arka Bhattacharya, and Amar Shyas. We recorded the podcast at Island City Studios with Ashyar Balsara. Sachi Rajadhaksh is our sound designer and audio producer, and Ayan De mixed and mastered these episodes. Thanks to all our guests and experts for their time and valuable inputs. And a special thank you to Sid in for his help getting this podcast off the ground. And most of all, thanks to the Omo Rakadosh, 11 men who did the impossible. Who taught a country to dream and for a brief moment showed us what freedom felt like long before we were free.